Well, hello there, Julie and Zach. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. So, uh, hi. This is a, so a little introduction. This is a there's no theme music playing today because this is a a, new, a slightly unusual episode. Shannon is on sabbatical, and so I I thought I'd bring in my two specialist people. <laughs> yes, my most special people, um, Julie and Zach, my sister, and her fiance, and aka my new brother. Oh, <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of oh this episode. <laughs> but also the podcast number one oh. fan, Zach Clifton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's official. Yeah, I received your certificate and everything. Yeah. And see, Zach had the great suggestion before we started recording that we should have a little intro to the podcast to a little primer every time we start that says what we do. And basically this is like a pop culture feminism podcast where we just dissect pop culture through our lens. And I have been bugging you guys for months to watch a show called The OA and you finished it and I'm so excited that we get to talk about it today. Yes, and we've been dying to talk to you about it since we finished (laughs) it a few weeks ago. And now I feel like I've bottled up all my feelings, pushed them deep (laughs) down inside, and now I can't find them again. So we'll see how this goes. We we had a whole we had a whole pre briefing like pre briefing. Pre briefing. Like a pre podcast brief last night where we just both sat on our phones next to each other looking online for like different articles about the OA trying to remind ourselves everything that happened all the theories around it and everything because once we started watching the show it was the week before you went to Atlanta I think it was either Uh, Atlanta or Vermont and you're just like every night you got home you're like Zach is the OA ready like we need to watch this we need to finish before I leave so we can discuss with Rebecca so but I love that our our pre-discussion about it involved us thinking that we were going to discuss things together and then literally deciding we couldn't talk to each other at all because we wanted to have different opinions about it yeah Wow. So we just sat next to each other and looked up what we wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, before diving too much. Before diving too much. I was going to say we should tell people what the show is. Yes. We should tell people what the show is. And then I just want to know both of your initial thoughts. Like, did you like it? Did you love it? Did you like eh? Or did you hate it? Which I don't think any of us hated it, but. I don't yeah. know, Zach. We'll find out. You didn't talk to me last night. We'll find out. It's all its all a big mystery. Um, so The OA is a show that came out on Netflix mid-December of last year. And I think I watched it right after it came out. I, I think it was December that I watched it. And it's a show... I'm trying to tell, like, do a short summary of the premise. It's like a girl who's gone missing for... What is seven it? Seven years, years. Reappears. Yeah. And yeah. She, she regained. And she was blind before, yeah. and now she can see. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and it takes it takes place in suburban, like, Michigan. Or, and yeah. it's, yeah. And it, it's, like, about her and a group of, like, teenagers and a teacher and them all sort of coming together from these disparate backgrounds. Mm-hmm to listen to her tell the story of her being gone for those seven years and what happened just basically her life each episode is a chapter of her life and her time held in captivity question mark Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay, so when I first saw this show, I had almost no like preparation going into it. Mm-hmm. I just was like captivated by it, so I kept watching and I kept wanting to hear the rest of the story. And at the end, I finished it, and I was so pissed off. <laughs> I was so angry when I first watched it, because I was like, what? Because I kept forgetting that she wasn't a reliable narrator, mm-hmm. and because I wanted to believe her so badly that when the end, when you're like, I don't know if she's telling the truth, and what is this, and why did it end in such a crazy way, and, and, and it's all, is it all, it's probably all bullshit, and you know, you're like, I got really upset, and I was like, so when I told you to watch it, I was like, keep in mind, you know, I, I sort of like prepped you so that you wouldn't be pissed at the ending because the more I thought about the show, the more I loved it. And the more, as soon as I could set aside that sort of initial anger, I was like, no, this was incredibly like captivating the entire time mm. and, and just mm-hmm. compelling. And it was only eight episodes because I just finished last night watching 13 Reasons oh, Why. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Was it worth and it? I have a whole I have a whole other rant about it. I don't know. I think I think part of it is I wanted to edit it so badly because I think so much of it is so urgent and so needed and so true and real mm-hmm. and important and so much of it was so gratuitous like... and triggering <laughs> and horrific. Wow. Yeah, I only watched so really, I'm on the second episode of that, I think. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I want to. That's only eight episodes. It's not 13. No, it's 13. Oh. But she's it's, saying. Yeah, that one's she 13, only which did is why. reasons why. Not 13 yeah, reasons I why. Cut that down. <laughs> well, it's just some of them could have been con- combined mm-hmm. with others or something. And some of them, it was just, it was one thing which, like, one episode would be something as horrible as a sexual assault. And it's like, yes, that is obviously, like, reason. And then another full episode would be about, you know, someone, like, leaving like not leaving a note for her or something, you know, when she was getting nice notes before it, or, or, you know, like maybe it was a little bit more than that, but it was like the, you couldn't, it was really hard to be like, ah, okay, well that was the episode where this all changed for it. It was like, well, that wasn't that bad, (laughs) you know, (laughs) compared to the other four things or whatever that, yeah, those were that bad. But anyways, oh, that's a different, that's that's next week's episode. (laughs) Okay, but the but the yes. OA. So I think, um, I mean, I think it definitely. I, I mean, I definitely viewed it after you prepped me, and I, I think mm-hmm. I had a different reaction at the end than you did for sure. Um, in terms of initial reaction, I think your prepping probably helped. But I'm also wondering if I would have had, like, if I would have still had a fairly similar reaction even if I didn't have that prep because I'm reading. Um, a a book by Milan Kundera, my favorite author right now, and all of his books mm-hmm. remind me very much of like the the narrative style of the OA, of you have um basically this story that's like real and yet not real and uses people that like famous people that have existed in real life that you have uh literary connections to but also people that are completely made up for the book and it's like fantasy and reality at the same time and you're just mm-hmm. so on board with the narrative of it that yeah no matter what happens and it's never a satisfying ending it's just basically like a treatise on life and the the novel is always used as a way to explore like basic themes of human existence and and then at the end, it doesn't necessarily always arrive at a conclusion. And all of his books are like that. And I find mm-hmm. them 
the most amazing books that I've ever read. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm kind of in that world right now. And, mm-hmm. um, and watching the OA definitely fit into that world. It was very, yeah, I felt very, um, I wouldn't say satisfied at the end, but I felt like mm-hmm. it was a good ending. I didn't feel mad. But I don't know how you felt, Zach. I, I thought it was, it was a very, I love the word you used, captivating, because it was a very, very captivating show, especially like from the first episode onwards, where it like goes through an entire like 45 minutes, and then the title screen pops up when she's talking about her child, <laughs> like her childhood in Russia, and I was just like, oh my god, that yes. was like he the most amazing, <laughs> like, like storytelling of like an initial story like setting up and everything and I thought it you know is very good there's it's just and there's a lot of it I think is a little too much like the amount of symbolism they try to use and even the most minute things I appreciate it but um and then I don't know it felt a little too religious-y to me but I'm not I'm not sure where they're going to go with that. You know, I know there's a second season that has has been approved. So I'm going to be interested to see if they go more into that or keep it more mystical instead of religious. You're saying it felt religious because of like Kotun, the the character in in the afterlife, or because of how she was conducting everything in the regular story itself? Um... Not necessary. I don't know. Just maybe it's just uh, the the term angel and the use of the terminology and the symbolism with Mm -hmm. angels. Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, I don't know. That might just be my own personal opinions and views on using religious terms to, you know, classic Christianity terminology to describe normal Mm -hmm. I guess it's not normal things obviously but you know (laughs) something that could have been kept much more like sci-fi and mystical um but that's neither here or there I I I was very captivated by it it ended it was very powerful ending um but you know I don't think I don't know I just I, I I'm still just kind of uh uh, so so on it I think like it's uh, it was very captivating mm-hmm. I think it's very much a worthwhile series to watch because when you're in it it is you're definitely in it it's very powerful yeah and that's what I really like in tv shows I don't think I'd ever go back and watch it again you know the first season over again um you know maybe depending mm-hmm. on how long if it gets renewed a bunch and I want to re-familiarize myself but I think it was very experiential kind of from episode to episode Mm -hmm. which is something you don't get in a lot of tv shows so it was very exciting process but now that it's over I I'm not looking at it like oh I need to watch those episodes again those episodes were so great I think more or less the experience overall during the initial time that the first look at it was what was amazing in the first experience yeah it's like this mystery that's unfolding very organically mm-hmm. and, and very in such a compelling way versus i hate to keep bringing it back to 13 reasons why but since i just finished it i just think it could learn a lot from the oa into how to structure a, an unfolding mystery which is mm-hmm. the whole it's a very similar premise actually where it's like 
13 Reasons Why, you're working backwards from a, a girl who's committed suicide, and she's telling the story of what led up to it, and it's intersecting between the present and the past. And, and so it should be, in theory, equally compelling, mm-hmm. you right. know, this unfolding of the story. But instead, in 13 Reasons Why, they spent so much time with other characters telling you what you don't like that there's a bunch you don't know and just wait till you find out what you don't know Mm -hmm. and then nothing lives up to it Mm. like when they're like the worst is yet to come and then it comes to that guy's tape and you're like oh it wasn't that bad actually so it's like so it was almost like they were really misleading you really trying to to shove this mystery aspect of it down your throat when that wasn't the interesting Mm -hmm. part we just wanted to watch it unfold you didn't have to constantly tell us there's a mystery unfolding. Yeah. Right. Well, and to <laughs> go know? back to um, your recent episode about puzzle shows mm-hmm. on television, I feel like this perfectly fits into that category of everything you're talking about. But it um, really solves a lot of those problems that you yeah. have with a lot of other puzzle shows that I totally agree with. And I think that this show did a great job of not getting so caught up in the actual mystery of it that they lost character development along the way. I feel like Mm -hmm. that it was the opposite. I felt very much um, like we saw every individual character develop in their own story and Mm -hmm. you became connected to these people individually. I mean, it really felt like the television genre and the episodic genre for it was necessary to have all these mm-hmm. side stories of all of the different characters um, because if this ever continues on with other seasons then you have you have a whole world to draw on. They've now created not just the world of the main character and the main mystery but all of these young teenage kids that are going through their like coming of age stories and this teacher, this female teacher mm-hmm. who is having a midlife crisis and the parents who don't know what to do with their lives now that they've adopted you know, this child and then this child went through these insane experiences and now who knows where we are on the other side of all of it and what, are mm-hmm. they, what is their role as parents in this, at this point, you know? And yeah, it's just, there's a lot of interesting questions that they brought up and I feel like it was fleshed out really well over the whole season mm-hmm. of that show. Well, it is renewed for a second season, so Excellent. we'll get to see. Maybe some of the questions yeah. will be answered. Well, and yeah. also I was reading that they, you know, that they did come up. It wasn't that they just, the, the two writers did come up mm-hmm. with a full story that was bigger than this season. So mm-hmm. at least they have some sort of arc planned and some sort of world yeah. planned and that it's not just like okay well we came up with this great one season show oh shit now <laughs> yeah. it's uh yeah been now renewed what do, what do we do yeah 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 let's just make up something you yeah. know and like let's get real weird with it yeah. right <laughs> so one thing that i that was interesting i didn't know going into it either is that the main actress is the creator of the show and the mm-hmm. writer, one of the writers. Yeah, I didn't know that. Which is, I thought was pretty amazing because that's like, she's like Renaissance woman basically where she created an idea for her TV show, wrote the episodes, and then starred in it, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people who do that. It's like what, mm-hmm. Mel Gibson, and he's like the worst person ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's, it's often like these self-indulgent things mm-hmm. where it's like, 
where they don't flesh out the other characters where it's like, well, it's, it's just about this troubled main character or whatever. Right. But no, like I thought they did a really good job with the casting. I loved, like I'll always think of her as Phyllis from The Office, mm-hmm. but the teacher, I thought she was incredible. Yes. And so I, I'm always going to come back to the word compelling with this show, but she's so compelling to me to watch. And I was just so invested in her in particular. And then, so I also, I, I read about um, how they found the, the young trans actor in the show. And it was, they, they were basically like, we want an actor who is also trans for this trans character. And the, apparently the casting agency was like, well, we couldn't find anyone. <laughs> so are you okay with us just like using a, a, a non-trans person? And they're like, no, no <laughs> we're not okay with that. And so they said, figure it out find someone and so they went to all these like forums online these trans communities and stuff that weren't necessarily acting communities and then they found someone and and he was amazing yeah. and so i just and i loved they were also they were delving into the this idea of like what it means to be a young man yep. in in society now and and the what that comes with and they covered all the different types of sort of manhood yeah. <laughs> that, that could be represented yeah Lot of, yeah. lot, it was an interesting because I think that's one of the places the show really did shine was with the characters and each character I feel was like so well written like even if you look like look at Hap who's like the evil person but mm-hmm. and of course he doesn't think what he's doing is evil per se because he's the ultimate like utilitarian like the sacrifice is worth it because imagine what would happen to the world if everybody knew an afterlife existed which he's willing to make a lot of sacrifices for and you know kill people over but he also feels bad about it too because he literally talks about how you know he wants these people to be you know partners with him and not um you know just purely experienced lab, lab rats unlike the other doctor in the show who looks at his you know the people as lab rats yeah. yeah so it is very interesting that they even gave him such a you know human side to it and just this quest this all-consuming quest for knowledge and how what he's doing is bad and evil yes in the actions but he's still you know cares at some level which is mm-hmm. i think it's a it's an important way to look at um villains sometime because she they could have just wrote like an evil guy who's like trying to catch these people and torture them in order to find right the, this ultimate truth and it could have been the exact same show you know but well, they and it's, really... i think it's the reason it's the reason why I got so deep into her story that I forgot that it might not be entirely true, mm-hmm. you know, because there were so many different layers to the people. You, it felt very like, I'm so invested. I'm so on board. And by the end of it, when they're bringing people almost back from the dead, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, with, with movements, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you're totally on board by yeah. then. You're like, yeah, makes a lot of sense. You know, we've gotten this far. Like, well, this is all possible. Right. And then when you step back from the show, you're like, okay, maybe like <laughs> we can't. Like, can we? Yeah. Like, we, we, there would there should be able be ways to find information on these people. The doctor that right. died, that he that Hap killed. You know, that Hap should be somewhere. You know, yeah. but it's like, and so 
Okay. You're constantly questioning, but only at the end because you got so into it. I know. Well, <laughs> you know? Okay, can we talk about liminal space then, now that we're talking about like, yeah. what is real and what is not real? I feel like I was thinking about that constantly the whole time, and then of course I've been thinking about it a lot more since then because I want to choreograph a dance piece based off of this. Mm-hmm. But what I find really interesting is that, okay, so if liminal space is that in-between, you have that metaphorical mm-hmm. in-between place, and then you have the physical in-between place. Like, what does that look like? And I think that that mm-hmm. all of those levels in-between were shown on this show, potentially, and that can be how you look at what's real and what's not. I mean, you have the metaphorical in-between, like, all of the boys in the show are in that liminal space of teenagehood you know, of coming of age, of not knowing what the next step is, you know, they're about to go to college, or they're about to, um, you know, be in a different social environment at school, or about to, like, figure out what they want to do in life, or whatever, all of those things, they're all going through those stories individually, and the teacher is in her own liminal space, in which she's responding to the death of somebody else, and what does that mean for her life, and this is scary, but then you have the physical idea of liminal space, as what is the after after death or the near death experience look like what does the other side look like which i was surprised mm-hmm. at how much they actually physicalized that and created this like yeah. mm-hmm. you know beyond the world thing which mm-hmm. we can come back mm-hmm. to in a second but then you also have i feel like you have these parallel timelines potentially and all the stories that she's telling like the story of being in captivity with Hap, I feel like that is real in the sense that it happened potentially on one timeline or another, that it's a, it could be a liminal space in and of itself, and that mm. her experiences discussing it and being on the other side of it are a different space than that. Right, but I don't we don't really even know how to describe it. Yeah, we don't even know if that actually happened though, and if it's just a story she told right. and she made up right. the characters and everything to. But we know that something did happen. Yeah, she right. Has the physical scars to show that something happened to her for those seven years, and you don't know if this story is her way of of coping with it, mm-hmm. her way of making sense of what happened to her, and if it was much right. less metaphysical yeah. than that, but and she made it metaphysical if, to like get through it if you remember early when she sleepwalked as a kid that's why they hit all the knives right because she grabbed a knife and almost cut herself with it so you know there could have been the possibility that now as an adult she was cutting herself during her sleep or something like that and because during the story all the scars were self-inflicted because they were their way of memorizing the movements yeah, but it still doesn't and, explain how she would be blind. And well, that's blind. the big question, right? Is the <laughs> is the going from blind to not blind? That's the big question. So if we're mm-hmm. if we're uncovering all the other little questions, the self inflicted ru- wounds, they were self inflicted. So right. in her story, and mm-hmm. there was a plausible way it happened. She was blind. She could have made up these characters during her experience to try to you know occupy her mind because she can't see anything. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the big question 
or the big question is, of course, going from blind to being able to see, which we don't know the answer for. And then some of the other smaller ones, the ones that, like, the big twist was finding those books right under the bed. Right. And But it was also like, why was the FBI guy Yeah, there? exactly. You know? <laughs> so, so this is where it gets really... And I read the I read some that the, there was theories Reddit theories of course that detailed all of this out. But the theory is if she was blind, blinded in Russia as a little girl, she never would have mm-hmm. learned how to read English, probably, right? Mm-hmm. Right, because she didn't she was speak blind, English at that time. Yeah, all the way up until true she was in captivity. When would she ever have learned how to read? Because she would only know how to read Braille and, and Russian at that point, presumably. So when True. would she ever learn how to read English? And those are all English books. So that's, that's an interesting question. The other interesting is, well, then, why was the FBI there? Did they plant them? Mm-hmm. It's like, is there a larger conspiracy going on that the FBI knows about this and knows that this might actually be real? So they're like trying to falsify this person in order to try to track down Hap and the rest of them and, uh, you know, not make it seem like it's actually real so they can, like, you know, hide the truth and use it for their own means. But how would they know what her story's about? So how would they know that she was the daughter of a Russian oligarch, thinks she's an angel, and... um, uh, the Iliad, and I forgot there was one other book, wasn't there? Uh, I don't remember. I thought it was yeah. It was also so odd that it was the Iliad instead of like the Odyssey. Well, that's where, <laughs> yeah. I guess Homer, yeah, or was it the Odyssey? It might have been the Odyssey. I don't remember. No, I think it was the Iliad. Yeah. I remember thinking like, oh, interesting, and it was just like, well, it was like Homer. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she didn't just pick that name and then. Describe like a jock mm-hmm. because she but she like, does but she does the, type the in, name of an author. Yeah, but she does type in his name her name that name right when she gets access to the internet and there mm-hmm. is a video of him playing football. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's he a lot of interesting as a person. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting like back and forth that and she didn't have access to the internet for very long either. So would that have been enough time to? steal her parents credit card and make a book order see but if it was the fbi how do they know about all those pieces of her story so i I think that's an interesting little like thinker about it because the the whole blind to not blind is still extraordinary and that leaves the door open that yeah something mystical must have happened it's like well and i think that that is um i mean that's the whole premise of the show right is that Mm-hmm. It's based on these near-death experiences and the research by actual people um, and actual mm-hmm. books that have been written, you know, in which someone has studied hundreds of, of people who have had near-death experiences and have come out on the other side of it with actual things like perfect pitch that they didn't have before, the ability to do things that they couldn't do before. So that part of the story is very real. and. Mm-hmm. I think the extension of that into the blind, but now she can see thing is, is just, it's one of those like, well, if all of these other experiences are happening, you know, it can happen to all these people. How can Mm -hmm. we, what if we just took it one step further to this plausible 
you know, potential idea mm-hmm. of here she goes. She had this near death experience and then she comes out on the other side of it being able to see. Like that's a dramatic version of yeah. these actual life. And it's it's an amazing hook for a story, exactly. right? It's like and it's it's one thing if you're like, Okay, it's a show about a girl who's gone for seven years and now she's back and we don't know what happened to her. But you tack on that she was blind and now she's not right. and then you have to you want to follow the entire story through so that you you figure out when did she you know how did that happen when did she you know and so and i just i just loved it i just, I, I think i just loved it so much because i kept forgetting that i needed to separate fact from fiction the whole time it was so interesting to me that i just stopped separating i just didn't think yeah and I then at the end important. i kept thinking <laughs> I, I just kept thinking, what was real, what wasn't? And then you're like, okay, I guess I have to let that go. And then once you let it go, I loved it, you know? Well, and I think that, I think you just hit the nail on the head, whatever the expression is. <laughs> I wanted to be like, you hit the hammer with a nail. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> can you bet? <laughs> you hit your hammer on your head. So, uh, yeah, well, uh-huh. exactly what you're talking about. At a certain point, it, it really doesn't matter the fact from fiction because at the if the very last episode you see a very real life instant occurring of an in-school mm-hmm. shooting and what the hell are you going to do in an instant like that i mean this is life or death and it is terrifying and the fact that these people who did not care for each other at the beginning of this um, whole series mm-hmm. and also did not would never ever have done something like this at the beginning of the show would never have done something heroic they mm-hmm. all together decided that they were going to stand up and basically put themselves in the line of fire to to dance <laughs> I mean yeah. literally to but- literally create <laughs> movement that was that they were so committed to it doesn't matter if the movement is mystical or whatever. They were so mm-hmm. committed to it that at the end of the day, it distracted the shooter long enough that mm-hmm. something else happened. It, mm-hmm. Like You can look at it from the mystical side of things, or you could look at it from the uh, uh, Star, Star-Lord, what's his name? <laughs> Guardians of the, the Galaxy, Galaxy moment, you know, where at the end he was like having a dance-off. Friendship. Yeah, yeah, just to dance distract off. him. Like, that's what I thought of in that moment. But the point is, it worked, and it all worked because they believed so much in the power mm-hmm. of what they were doing and the power of doing it together that it doesn't matter if the story was fake or not. I mean, they literally yeah. like danced because of it. Right. They ultimately mm -hmm. saved a bunch of people's lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then it makes you feel like, okay, that whole story, it's like, you know, she was a a Russian, you know, daughter, whatever. Mm -hmm. She was blind. She was captive, whatever the word is. Captive. Captured. Gosh, words are really hard on Saturdays. Yeah, (laughs) it is hard. Um, All of that stuff, it's like, okay, maybe maybe it was important and maybe it was real and important Mm -hmm. to unravel or maybe it doesn't matter at the end of the day. And what they did and how they took it into their own lives Mm -hmm. was the more important side of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that is you know, a very important takeaway for looking at it as if it was all fake, then what's the point is that she created a story that was so impactful that it connected these 
four other individuals who had nothing else in common other than mm-hmm. a couple of them did drugs together or something like that, mm-hmm. but really were not friends or had no connections to where now they all stood up together and saved a bunch of people's lives. And I I really like the, um, I mean, it was addressed in the first couple episodes, that dynamic of um, an older mentee in it, or sorry, an older mentor and a younger mentee um, and this, the potential, you know, like they touched on the sexual dynamic of the fact that she was a woman and then they got these young boys and how this can be negative. And I feel like all too often in, in life is that relationship, man to, you know, like girl or vice versa is just viewed as this negative thing. And then you have these kids that don't have, um, like I would say solid, uh, positive relationships with an older mm-hmm. adult in their life and they don't mm-hmm. have that mentorship and I don't know if you remember that um, photography exhibit that we saw at Next Stage in Putney oh yeah of course of the kids who were asked to pick their older adult mentor in the community the person that they really saw as their mentor in this like positive non-sexual relationship and mm-hmm. then they did a story on each of them. You know, they, they did a photo shoot with the two of them together. And then they had each one write why this child is important to them in their lives and why this adult is important to them in their lives. And it was beautiful and incredible to see how important mm-hmm. these positive community relationships can be that are non-familial yeah. um, and non-sexual at the same time. And so I thought it was great to see that in a show portrayed yeah. as yes there's a way in which you know this complete stranger of a woman can actually unite all of these you know young mm-hmm. boys that are lost as well as another you know female teacher who is in a completely different part in her life but it was just it, mm-hmm. i thought it was a really interesting dynamic and i think we need yeah. more of those positive mm-hmm. adult to child representations on screen yeah and I was obsessed with the setting of it I mean she's oh. telling the whole story in a half-finished house in a half-finished neighborhood that liminal space, you know, it man. just feels that liminal space it feels so in between it feels so abandoned almost but uh, but it was like it, it seemed like it could have been an upscale neighborhood but because it wasn't finished it was sort of like what happened you know was that when the, the economy crashed you know and then you're in this half-finished house where you just you're in between space you know you're not in the neighborhood you're not out of the neighborhood you're not in a real house you're not in not a house you know like it's yes i just love the visuals of it Mm -hmm. i love the setting of it it really it really you felt like you were entering this world Mm -hmm. and you became completely immersed in it Mm -hmm. and and you felt like those kids every night sitting down to and i've i've taught i've texted this to you before about like how she's shahrazad in my mind you know She's telling this story and it's almost like it doesn't matter if the story has an ending. It's almost better mm-hmm. if it doesn't. You know, it's it's about telling a story to stay alive. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I just, I, you, I just, it's, I love that yeah. kind of storytelling. And she instilled a sense of ritual in, mm-hmm. in all of these people's lives. I mean, you saw what their home lives were like. They're also, most mm-hmm. of them are in this, you know, neighborhood that, again like you said looks like it could have been a very nice well-off neighborhood but at the end of the day it was this weird half-finished abandoned place so the people that are living in it are all 
living in these like homes that potentially are fancy but their lives within it are in complete shambles and there it's just like mm-hmm. a big facade is what it feels like and then to have them each and I don't know if you guys have other interpretations for why they all had to leave their doors open which I thought was hilarious yeah. that not a single parent ever realized that a door was open every single night for an hour well, only the uh, only two of them had parents right yeah um, really. but it was like this oh, was yeah. literally like a dramatic I don't know in my mind a dramatic physical manifestation of be open to new experiences yeah, and yeah. be able to do this night after night um, you know, of well, and you're also ritual. in this neighborhood where, if this was like a a neighbor a busy neighborhood where there's a lot going on, you would be like, I'm not gonna leave my door open. That's right. insane. I'm just asking to be robbed. But like, nobody's Nobody around. It. <laughs> it's this empty space where you know you're not even worried about that yeah. because it's like it just feels like this little far off nook. You know. That, like, no one's going around and seeing, oh, are doors wide open? I'll just rob that place. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it totally reminds me of that neighborhood in Cincinnati that we used to drive yeah. through all the time. We were fascinated by it, of this, mm-hmm. like, half-finished neighborhood. And they had those homes that were always part of the, what are the fancy, like, home tours, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, like the model homes? Yeah, no, but they had, like, smart homes that were part of that. And things oh. like these are the homes of the future, and they would be mm-hmm. on the home tours that you had to pay seventy five bucks or whatever to go see. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the neighborhood never got finished, and so we had oh, like homorama. That's what it was. Yes, homorama. But there was a clock tower in the middle of that neighborhood. Oh yeah. That was so fancy. Like this was the center of a soon to be village, you know, of yeah, million yeah. dollar homes, and then nothing. And, but there are people mm-hmm. that are living in those weird houses next to the dirt lots that were mm-hmm. everywhere else because they cut all the trees down like they're crazy. And then yeah. only in the new houses did they plant little mini trees, but yeah. not in the houses that hadn't been built yet. So it's just this weird neighborhood that looked like a forest burned down and then a couple houses yeah. popped up in place. Mm-hmm. Like it was very odd. Well, yeah, you're, it's like you're moving into these homes because it's the possibility of a neighborhood. Right. But you, but there's no guarantee that that neighborhood. And at a certain point, as the years go on, you're like, I don't know if this neighborhood really is gonna get built. You know, where right. where have we decided to put down roots? You know, is this a real place? And it starts to feel like a fake place. Yes. If you feel like you enter an alternate universe, where you know it's like. I hate that. I hate when they don't finish a neighborhood, you yes. know, before, like just like build a neighborhood. <laughs> and it, or it's like, oh, if there's no need for new houses, don't build any. Right. Oh, but know. then also you feel trapped in that weird fake place in a way because mm-hmm. how are you going to be able to sell that home if you want to move away? Mm-hmm. Who is going to willingly buy a house in which it's clear that it's no longer an up and coming neighborhood? It is now yeah. a rundown, abandoned neighborhood. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, so then now you're trapped in this place that you that had so much potential, but mm-hmm. never that destiny was never realized, and now you can't leave it. And you get to look around every day, and you look at this this suburbia that you live in, this unused potential, this this evidence of this pota- like economic crash, and and that's what you wake up to every day. It's kind of a really disheartening place to be in. <laughs> yeah. And like no wonder they they love to go 
to hear these stories yep. and, and to sort of escape from that. Yes. It's just, it was such a, it was such a perfect choice and setting. And I, I've never seen that setting actually really portrayed in, in, in TV or movies, really. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really great show. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, that's, yeah. that setting and then the whole afterlife, too, I thought was very well done. And it's how mm-hmm. mystical and magical everything was, and there was still an embodiment of self, and then these other outworldly creatures that existed there. Well, and what was very interesting about um, about the like the physical manifestation of what it looks like in the afterlife, or whatever you want to call it, and the fact that there was a woman on the other side that she was talking to, you know, that cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting because she was mystical and without being um, tied down to a specific religion necessarily or a specific idea that we have of the afterlife, but kind of was a cross-section of so, like all of these major religions or belief systems or things like that. I mean, you saw these... Uh, like the way that she portrayed kind of felt like almost like the Baba Yaga at a certain point you know Mm -hmm. like a nice version Mm -hmm. of her but with like the cloak and everything and then Mm -hmm. um, like the fates from uh, Greek Mm -hmm. mythology and things of being able to like be over a pool where you have the sight and others don't Um, but then also she had I, I looked this up because I wanted to know what was on her face but she had braille that was tattooed into her face, and all the braille was in German, apparently. Um, huh. Yeah, and said some very interesting things in German. I don't really know. Um, all that symbolism. Yeah, and there Tattoos were... Tattoos were actually... Yeah, they really braille. crammed a lot in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were references to Norse mythology and to, um, to like, various, you know, to the major religions, obviously, mm-hmm. and to Eastern traditions and stuff, and they were all kind of just amalgamated into this this other world mm-hmm. guardian um which i thought was really interesting so mm-hmm. but i don't i don't agree i i mean i agree with you i don't agree with the use of the word angel i don't know why that bothered me yeah well it's like using the word yeah. blessed like oh hashtag blessed <laughs> it's like yeah it's it, there's these words that just um Kind of cement. They're not neutral anymore. Yeah, they cement just how religious America is in using mm-hmm. certain words that are Christian words. Um, re- it yeah. really, I mean, blessed, you can say, oh, you're blessed by any God, but really it's more of a Christian term now. There's Right, and, and angel. angel has become a completely Christian yeah. term. Yeah, so that, that's why... It's really tough, too, because it's like, good luck finding a better word, you mm-hmm. know, right. <laughs> to describe what, what people are trying yeah. to say about her. They could have just... But, I, yeah, it is completely yeah, taken I, over by I one. mean, just make something up, you know? You know, call him a bala. Bala. There you well, go. I, Done. I guess I was... I don't know. I... I was a little surprised and dismayed that the OA had, like, that that was an acronym for 
is something. Like, right. That it actually, that it actually stood, stood for, for something. Like, why couldn't it have just been a sound? So then they were like, well, it sounds like these letters. So when we write it, we'll write it like this. But basically, it's trying to describe this sound that can't be put into any particular language or any particular mm-hmm. words. But instead, it was like, hashtag OA. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm so glad you just I've already forgotten what it stood for. Original Angel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was a bummer. That disappointed me. It was a bummer. Because you kept thinking, like, either the OA stands for something really interesting or it stands for nothing at all. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a... I just kind of wanted it to be nothing. Yeah, I I thought it was going to be like a Hodor type thing. (laughs) It was like, that was the biggest twist of all time. Mm. Hold the door, Hodor. Yes, like, the oh biggest my twist. God. Oh my god! It means something. Um, <laughs> did you have a thought about? Okay, I I think that was probably my last thing, and then I realized we've been talking for a long time. Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, so the location of the cabin in which Hap was holding them, mm-hmm. I feel like that really bugged me that I could never place it in a particular yeah. place that. They never found it, that but they never found the any point. evidence he of it. He was talking about how there's over 500,000 places in the U.S. that would fit that description. I know, which is weird because when she came to the edge of that canyon or whatever was happening, it was like... It was a mine, yeah. That could have been... I mean, that was huge and it looked so yeah. specific to me. It looks like, oh, now we're finally grounding this in a specific place, but no. And the fact that yeah. there was a park ranger... Mm-hmm. I think that is. I think that's where I have the biggest question is if there were no other humans involved, then this place would feel less grounded in like the current time or in the real world or whatever. It would feel definitely like a complete liminal space. Mm-hmm. But the fact that mm-hmm. there was an actual park ranger that was coming to visit in and out of a real world. It just, Mm -hmm. it bothered me that I could never figure out where the real world was. Right, and then the scene with Pap and the other scientists where it's like none of the kids are there. You know, none of of the captees or whatever are there. And and so it's like, okay, who's telling that story? And is that a story? Right. You know, I think I spent so much time trying to, because, and you're like the kids too, as the story's unfolding, they're Googling, you know, looking up Homer and stuff like that. And you want to do the same thing. Right. You want to constantly be like, I need to solve this mystery. Right. You know, it needs to have a conclusion where we tell the police and then they go storm in and they save those people. But then you keep thinking, are there people that need to be saved? I don't know. You know? Right. Yeah. My biggest problem was nothing like that, was the fact that he had video recording and surveillance of them, but no audio recording. So he had no idea what they were talking about the entire time. (laughs) It's like, that was this, like, of course he's going to have, like, microphones planted around there so he could hear what they're saying. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. Because it wasn't soundproof because they were banging it on the glass when the park ranger first came in. He's like, oh, what was all that racket? Right. And then he had to turn up the death metal music to cover it. (laughs) So, like, obviously, why wouldn't he have, like, and he's obsessed with sound because that's how he tells who's had the experience Mm -hmm. by the traits they gain Mm -hmm. and listening for where they travel when they have their out-of-body experience because he hears, like, the rings of Saturn or something like that, so. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Fill we those plot this fill, forever. Yeah, fill those plot holes, come on, Ollie. Come on. <laughs> right, no, but I, it I also it. it provides it provides where you just are constantly thinking about it. You're mm-hmm. constantly asking all these questions. You want to solve it. You want to fit everything in a nice, nice, neat box. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's kind of it's just it's it's. I felt like a very unique and rare show. Would you yes. say it was constantly engaging? <laughs> It was very engaging and very <laughs> compelling. But I I think that it sets a bar, a high bar for me, because that's what I want regularly out of shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. that's what I want out of books now. I'm really, like, I find that I'm getting pickier and pickier with the novels that I read because mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. things that are challenging yeah. like that to me. I, well, and that's exactly what I wanted out of 13 Reasons Why. I wanted, because there's so many similarities, you know, mm-hmm. except it takes if you take out the metaphysical questions and the what's real and what's not although there is some of that they're constantly like the kids are constantly saying oh she's lying on the tapes mm. and and so you're like oh well, what's true and then of course at the end it's like oh it's all true oh. okay i might just need to talk to you after this podcast so you can tell me what happened so i don't have to watch the rest of that show honestly i i i got like four or five episodes in and i was like should i just google this like i don't know yeah. it's like because <laughs> And also, there there wasn't that many, I don't know, like big twists or surprises. That uh, I don't know. Did uh, I? I I think I need someone else to watch it just so I can talk to them about it. Okay. What um was there <laughs> back to OA? Was there anything else you wanted to cover yes. before we wrap this up? Or I don't think so. I definitely need to look up these quotes that I meant to do before this podcast, but. I just remember there are so many moments in it that I was like, well, that is a brilliant order of words, and I need to write that down, and then I didn't, yeah. and now I want to look yeah. up these quotes, because there are some really good ones. Yeah. Very quotable. That's all. Shall we get into recommendations, then? Yes. Okay. Uh, you guys go first, because I realize that I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, Mystery Science Theater is back on, so I'd recommend that because that was one of my favorite shows from my childhood, watching that on Comedy Central, and then I think Sci-Fi picked it up after Comedy Central, so it was uh, it's a very fun show. It's very much my style of comedy and kind of created the, or it was a heavy influence into the hate watch culture that we existed now where you just watch something so you can make fun of it with your friends hashtag bachelor so um, <laughs> or how did this get made or how did this yeah how did this get made or if, you know all that stuff that exists now so i i, I, mm-hmm. I give that a shot it, it's it's a it's definitely written for a particular audience of you know fans of the old show but and it's um, on netflix and it's on netflix but it's a, it's mm-hmm. funny Julie even laughed a couple times I saw it, so. Uh, well, that was one of the shows that you introduced me to when I was still pretty new here, yeah. and that is an extremely Minnesotan show, at least the original version of it. I mean, it was filmed in Eden Prairie, and all of the characters just have accents and, you know, very specific jokes to this area, and that was a lot for me when I first when I had first moved here but I think the show is like more general now they have references to the to the Minnesotan Midwestern thing but like for instance the woman who is the main character from uh 
Dr. Horrible. Um, mm-hmm. Felicia Day? Yes. So she's on there doing every so often little singing moments and things. And, and yeah, it's just like, it's generally, it's, it has potential. Watch it. Do your own <laughs> recommendation, yeah. please, Julie. Okay. Sorry. You're not very good at selling mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not very sold on it. <laughs> okay. My recommendation um, is, because I don't think you've said this out loud, even though I know that you watch and love this show too, is the mm-hmm. second season of Chewing Gum on Netflix. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, I, I don't know why that show is so funny to me, but <laughs> I have so many good laugh out loud moments, but there's also moments in which, because their accents are so strong, they're, you know, from like the projects of London and you've got Mm -hmm. this just this very quirky group of people there are definitely moments Mm -hmm. in which they'll say a sentence and I have no idea (laughs) what is happening but for the most part um it is an excellent season I think that it goes through a great arc of different stories each one seems more ridiculous than the last but it's all totally believable the adventures of this like unfortunate girl basically in inner city London but then it ends with possibly the most beautiful portrayal of friendship I think I've ever seen honestly like it was some a very simple moment of things and I wasn't expecting the show to um, take such a like a serious or sentimental turn. I mean, of course, it still had the comedy mm-hmm. and lightheartedness, but I, the last episode just was absolutely beautiful, and I don't want to give it away, but it's worth it. The whole season is worth it. I think it's just a very positive um, look at friendship. So Great. Well, now that you recommended that, it reminded me of something else so good because I kind of had nothing. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I believe I did recommend this to you, and honestly, you might have already watched it, but I haven't said it on the podcast. Um, so it's called Crazy Head. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also on Netflix, and it's the same actress who plays the sister, the really religious sister in Chewing Gum. It's the same actress who is playing, like, a demon hunter basically and it's also has this beautiful friendship throughout it and then it sort of culminates in like friendship solving you know saving the day and 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 you know everything um and that was just super fun i feel like if you love chewing gum you'll love crazy head okay and they're also on netflix yeah we just watched Mm -hmm. the the first episode a while back and i realized that i didn't like follow up with it so I I think I really need to just get into it Mm -hmm. um but yes so that'll that'll be next on my list working my way through things (laughs) all right well I was gonna play recording of Zach telling a joke but that seems a little insane now doesn't it (laughs) uh it does but I have no other jokes to tell um hold on Got one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna make funny sounds for the okay. next five seconds, yeah, yeah. and then you can cut. Uh, okay. Mm. This is my brain gears spinning really fast. I can just burning. cut this. I'll just cut this bit out. No, you won't. You'll leave it. <laughs> please, please. No, it's cut the it end out. of the episode. It's easy enough to just okay. chop that out. Okay. <laughs> 
I was trying to I'll think, just watch I was trying to think of a business idea where I use bur- small birds to burgle houses. Nope. <laughs> nope. Burgle? Burgle. <laughs> Burgle houses. Do you know what kind of... Is do, that what you guys are watching out the window? Do, Is that yeah. what you keep looking yes, at out the window? Yeah. There's a lot the of birds. stuff happening. There's a little bunny that was hopping around. Can I finish my joke? Oh, sorry. <laughs> you just said no. Your joke. So, um, what kind of birds do you use to burgle houses? What kind? Robins. <laughs> <laughs> you said you told me to stop, and it wouldn't be funny. And look at your face, Julie. <laughs> <laughs>